Hello and welcome to What The Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. In this episode, Marie Watson is coming on the podcast to share her birth stories. Marie is a certified nurse midwife. Her first two babies were both water births at home, and her third baby was actually a hospital induction. In this podcast, we mentioned postpartum hemorrhage, placenta encapsulation, and the golden hour. Marie also talks about the differences in having both of her first babies at home and then having her third in a hospital setting. So I hope you enjoyed this episode with Marie. Welcome to the podcast, Marie. Hello. I'm very excited to have you on and hear a little bit about your story. I know I know you very well, but I'm excited to hear more about your birth. So tell me about how you met your partner and tell me a bit, a little bit about yourself and your family. So my name's Marie. Um, I'm a midwife here in Charlotte. So I kind of have a unique um, perception, both, you know, personally and professionally doing this. I have a husband who we met in high school and we still like each other most of the time. Um, And three kids. I have a seven-year-old, a three-year-old and a four-week-old. So things are a little crazy around here, but it's fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's well, Hey, you still like each other after years and three kids. So that's, you're doing pretty good. (laughs) Yes. That's awesome. So tell me about your, we're going to kind of do a little compare and contrast of Marie's three births. So going into your first two births, since they're a little bit more similar, tell me about your pregnancies with your first two and how you were feeling. Yeah. So my first two was very different. Um, I was in, let's see, I was a labor and delivery nurse for the first one. And I was in midwifery school for the second one. Um, and we lived in Virginia where the birth culture, um, was a little bit different. Community birth was much more integrated. Um, so hospital birth and birth center birth, because the laws are very different there. Um, and so it wasn't uncommon, you know, to have home births or birth center births. And so for me, that was very normal. It was something that I knew that I wanted from the very beginning of my first pregnancy, even working on labor and delivery, I knew that that was a good choice for me and for our family at the time. Both pregnancies were fine, you know, working in labor and delivery and being pregnant is always an interesting experience. And then being in midwifery school and being pregnant is even more interesting, Um, you know, attending births and being pregnant. And it was a very unique time of life, but pretty easy. And I love being pregnant. Well, up until this last time. (laughs) So um, yeah, it was great. And then uh, with both of them, um, I had certified nurse midwives who attended home births who were taking care of me. And so it really was a nice model of prenatal care, you know, I could text them if I had questions and frequent appointments, very family centered care. And then, you know, like I said, home birth was not really that unusual. Um, So a lot of focus on you know normal birth and taking Bradley classes the first time around. And yeah, it was a really, it was a fun time, especially the first time being pregnant when you're learning your body and learning, you know, how you'll respond and you know, it's something you do with your partner, you know, if you have a partner who's involved and just really growing your family. And so, yeah, the two were pretty similar, easy pregnancies and just preparing, you know, for a home birth and a normal labor and a normal birth. So how did that work with certified nurse midwives doing home births there? Did you like go to an office for your appointments, kind of like we do in North Carolina, or did they come to your home? So some do do home visits, the ones that I did. Um, 
for the first one, I was with a birth center that also provided home births. And that's where I ended up doing a lot of my midwifery training with that practice actually. Um, and so I would go to the birth center for my visits, but then there would be a few home visits at the end where they would check and make sure you had the supplies that you needed and that, you know, the environment was ready. Um, but for the most part, the visits were at the birth center and that practice was unique. It was a group of certified nurse midwives. Um, you had the choice to birth at the birth center or at home. And having been a student in that practice, I really got to see the inner workings of it. And it was really neat. Um, and the way that things are set up there, there's collaborative agreements with local OBGYNs. And so, you know, if transfers were needed, it was very seamless and not a big deal or, you know, transfers during pregnancy. Um, so there were a lot of options and seamless care. Um, and then for my second pregnancy, I had a certified nurse midwife who was independent. So not with a practice, but she had an office at her house. And so we would go there and have visits. And it was lovely. It was awesome. And she um, was really able to provide full scope care um, and have just a limited number of clients, you know, to keep good work-life balance. And she actually had used, used to work at the birth center. Um, so she was very familiar, but yeah, it was really nice. It was awesome. And even now, you know, I can text her with questions and, you know, she's like a friend to me. Um, so it's very family centered care. It was great. That's awesome. I wish like, why can't every state be like that? Like, it, just, it literally, as you're talking, I'm like, wow, this like sounds it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. You're like integrative yeah. care, certified nurse mm-hmm. midwives, like, you know, an agreement already with the hospital. So if you need to transfer yeah. in pregnancy or birth, like yeah. it's kind of seamless. Whereas in North Carolina, it's in, in many States, it's not like that to where if you transfer, it's like, we have nothing on you. We have no records of you most of the time. And it can kind of just not be the safest thing because mm-hmm. there's not that in place. Exactly. And so that was the nice thing about being in a place where it was legal and there were lots of options, even CPMs were legal and had expanded abilities so they could carry medications and things like that. And it was safe and not a big deal, you know, and we had really, really good outcomes. Whereas places where that's not the case, the outcomes aren't so good because you don't have those safety nets in place. Right. Right. Like when you, you know, and I don't know in North Carolina, I know that it's home birth technically considered illegal. So home birth in itself is legal and it's legal to have a home birth, but there are no, the people that attend home births, it's illegal for them. And so typically there's CPMs here, CPMs. Yeah. And so for them, it's not legal. Um, And then CNMs, we technically can attend home births, but there's no OBGYNs to sign our stuff that say we can. Yes. To back Um, you. Yes. And so North Carolina is one of the few states left that actually is that restrictive. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else in the U.S. has gotten on board. So we'll see what happens in the next few years. But Well, praying and hoping that it changes. So <laughs> in North Carolina, they can't, they can't carry meds even, can they? Um, I believe they do, but technically... Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Which makes sense. I mean, like you said, that safety net is, you know, the outcomes aren't going to be the best because you don't have those safety nets of where it is legal Mm -hmm. and they have the ability to practice in their full scope. Exactly. And truth be told, it was hard this pregnancy because I wanted another home birth desperately. And I had planned to have another home birth if I got pregnant again. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember talking with other midwives in our practice about it. Like, what am I going to do? Like, And I've said, you know, I never want to have a baby in a hospital if I don't have to, because it's so different and being at home, it's just, it's a wonderful experience and everything goes well. Mm -hmm. And so I really wrestled with it, even through the end of my pregnancy, you know, coming to terms with the fact that, you know, I could have had a home birth, um, but just the comfort level and professionally and personally, it's, it was a really sticky situation for me to be in. And it really, 
you know, if I was going through that struggle, it just broke my heart for, you know, the average woman, family, birthing person here going through that struggle because it is even harder, you know? And so it really made it personal for me, the struggle that a lot of families go through trying to figure out the right birthing option for them here. So, yeah, yeah. I definitely even like relate to that because I have the same, like, I would love to do a home birth. I, Mm -hmm. it's like my dream. I think it'd be amazing and beautiful. And like you said, when everything, you know, goes well, it's an amazing thing. You're in your home, you're where you're comfortable and, and you feel safe, but even being a labor and delivery nurse, like I really struggled with that because a, like my insurance won't pay for me to have a home birth. So everything is out of pocket and it's not, the most affordable thing mm-hmm. and, and then the, the legality of it and, and working at the hospital. So I feel yes. an only probably an ounce of the internal struggle that you truly felt as a CNM, but I definitely can relate to that. Like yeah. wanting it, but kind of being torn, like, well, I feel like I have to give birth in the hospital almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was really hard. And I <clears throat> had water births in my living room in my first oh, two, you amazing. know, and knowing that water birth isn't permitted in the hospital either. Mm-hmm. And so it was, yeah. It was just a very different pregnancy throwing that element in as well. Right. So tell me about going into labor with your first two and kind of how labor was as having a baby at home. Yeah. So ironically, my two labors were very similar. Um, for both of them, you know, I was a couple days past 40 weeks. So I mentally was losing it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, woke up in the middle of the night with some contractions, having had no prodromal labor prior, you know, labored very mildly for a few hours, got up. And the nice thing when you're planning a home birth is, it's normal. You know, you're not worrying. Do I go to the hospital? Do I, and you're in constant contact with the midwife. So for us the whole day, for both of them, it's just kind of puttering around, going to the grocery store, taking walks the second time around, spending a lot of time with my son. You know, we baked a birthday cake for his, you know, new brother or sister who was going to be born and just kind of waiting, you know, and then for both of them, it wasn't until the evening that things really kicked in. And that has a lot to do um, with just sort of our biology. I mean, you see that a lot as a labor nurse, like women coming in in the evenings. We do have sort of a circadian rhythm and with labor kicking in and moms that have other kids, a lot of times their bodies won't labor when those kids are running around. It's mm-hmm. just adrenaline. And um, so evening is pretty typical for labor to kick in. And with the first one, I think the midwives came over and she checked me and I was already like eight centimeters but it's different laboring like in your comfortable environment because you don't have that fear, tension, pain cycle. So mm-hmm. like labor wasn't scary. I mean, it was painful, but just not that anxiety and that fear. Um, and so being told, yeah, you're eight centimeters, you know, normally we see a lot of the yelling and screaming and panic when people roll up at eight centimeters yes, <laughs> on the labor for sure. delivery. But it's different, you know, when you're in your comfortable place and you've just been watching TV and bouncing on the ball and eating dinner. And it's, it's different. But anyway, we got the tub all set up, got in the tub and he was born a few hours later. I did end up having a postpartum hemorrhage with my first actually. And so going back to, you know, being able to have meds and equipment and stuff. And, you know, I had um, an IV and got some Pitocin going and had some hemorrhage meds and then everything was fine. Um, But yeah, so that was one of those emergencies that was handled appropriately Mm -hmm. um, at home. Um, And I was fine. And then the second one, as soon as my son went to bed, my labor went from zero to a (laughs) hundred. And uh, I called my midwife and I was like, Hey, you need to come over. Like things are picking up. 
And then I had a couple contractions and I remember thinking, oh my God, this baby's coming. And I grabbed the phone again. I was like, you need to get over here right now. She's like, I'm almost there. <laughs> Luckily, uh, my husband had already set up the tub. And so I got in the tub and I mean, she was born like an hour later. It was pretty quick. Um, wow. And with both of them, my water broke as they were being born. Um, so kind of in call. Yeah. Laboring with your water intact is very different as well, which I found out with the third. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and you know, you, with a water birth, um, you know, you have your baby and you hang out and whatever, and then typically you get out of the tub and, you know, get on the couch or go to your bedroom or whatever, deliver the placenta. Um, if you need a repair, do that then. Um, and then you just kind of hang out and breastfeed and take a shower and, you know, in the case when my daughter was born, we had a birthday cake and some champagne and it was lovely, you know, and then everything gets all cleaned up and tucked in and, you know, home visits with the midwife at 24 hours and 48 hours. Um, there's a lot of close contact. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just kind of lovely. It was nice. Um, and of course I have rose colored glasses and amnesia because it was a while ago. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, but yeah, that's, they were very similar. Um, they were nice. Yeah. That, I mean, your second birth sounds extremely fast, which is amazing, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's also like something that I notice, and I don't know if you agree, would agree with this, but when it comes to even like the placenta delivery, like you said, you know, you kind of hang out in the water for a little bit and then you get out, usually get in the bed and then they deliver the placenta. Mm-hmm. I feel like home birth, the placenta delivery is very different than the hospital. I feel like in the hospital, it's like five minutes and we want that placenta out. And at home, I mean, I've heard and seen it take people take like an hour to deliver and it's no big deal. Mm -hmm. So physiologic birth, um, undisturbed birth without that adrenaline and anxiety and the bright lights, you know, things that we tend to see sometimes. Yeah, it can take, you know, 30 minutes up to 60 minutes for the Mm -hmm. placenta to deliver. And as long as there's no bleeding and everything's going well, um, oftentimes breastfeeding helps with that. And so with my first, we did that and my hemorrhage was the result. I had a little fragment of placenta that had remained um, the way that the placenta had come out. And so it took a little while to get things under control. Um, So with my second, my midwife and I talked about it ahead of time and we decided to do active management, which is what we do in the hospital. Right. And so active management does a great job at reducing postpartum hemorrhage. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a little bit quicker delivery of the placenta, giving something to keep that uterus nice and contracted like Pitocin. Um, And so we decided to do that preemptively. Um, And so she, you know, helped deliver the placenta a little bit quicker. And I um, opted for a shot of Pitocin just as a safeguard. Um, And so I was able to make that choice ahead of time, how I wanted that managed rather than doing a physiologic placental delivery. Gotcha. And when you have them at home, do they also carry like kind of like almost like a Neopuff, like what we have on our baby walkers as far as like giving baby a few breasts if they need it? Yeah. Yep. So we would have a tank of oxygen at our house starting at 36 weeks. That was part of the prep stuff. Um, We would rent those. Um, But yeah, I mean, we're talking like two suitcases. So um, one, you know, you've got the resuscitation equipment and that neonatal resuscitation, we have basic training in the hospital, but when you're out of hospital, you really have to be comfortable with it because you are your neonatology. I mean, you're there, yeah, you're, you're, you're all there is. Me. 
Yeah. And like babies that are going to need intervention should not be born out of hospital, but for, you know, there are some normal babies born that need a little help. So you have to have really good NRP skills. Uh, but yeah, we've got the, you know, Ambu bag and the, you know, whole NRP setup basically. Um, and then mom resuscitation stuff, you know, we're talking like tackle boxes full of meds and gear that we might need. So yeah, out of hospital, it really is bringing everything that we have yeah. to, you know, the birth center or to the home home but knowing how to use it too, and really right. having advanced NRP skills. I think mm-hmm. that's like a huge miscommunication that we see in North, like in, in States where it's not legal or not normal, like in Virginia, mm-hmm. we're in Virginia, where home birth was a little bit more accepted and normal and like community center, like you said, I'm sure people had a better understanding, but I feel like mm-hmm. here when home birth is talked about, it's a lot of like people, I think, assuming like that there's, you know, no meds, no equipment, no, no oxygen for resuscitation, like that mm-hmm. it's just like, you know, a midwife and a birthing person and there's no backup. So it's cool to hear like the other perspective of it, where you do really have almost everything we have in the hospital, mm-hmm. but it's, you're just at mm-hmm. home. Mm-hmm. And the, I mean, to have a safe out of hospital birth with all that, the, you know, you've got to meet the list of like, these are low risk, you know, and if right. you have any oh, risk yeah. factors, a good midwife is going to, um, you know, refer to another birthing place. So now going into your third pregnancy, tell me about finding out you were pregnant. (laughs) So we had thought about maybe having a third baby (laughs) and then suddenly I was pregnant and um, my husband to this day still says that I tricked him. And he says, you're a midwife. How do you accidentally get pregnant? And I'm like, well, sometimes that happens. Hey, it takes two to tango. (laughs) Right. Right. I'm like, sometimes our bodies do things. Um, Mm -hmm. So yes, I didn't think I was pregnant and took a test because I was late and my period's never late. And I was on call the next day and I was like, this is weird and peed on the stick and it was negative. And I set it down. I got in the shower, get out of the shower and I go to throw it away. And it's like glaringly positive. (laughs) And I go, oh, expletive and chucked it across the room because I was like, oh my God. And um, was so in shock. I didn't even tell my husband. I you know, went to bed, went to call shift the next day, the whole call shift. I'm like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to tell him? We were not, you know, expecting this, told him everything was fine, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, it took a while into the pregnancy for him to be like, okay with it. Um, But of course, (laughs) just a little bit of shock now, a little bit of shock, just a little bit. Yeah. But like you said, two to tango. So yeah, that's how I found out I was pregnant. Whereas the other ones I had been, you know, religiously tracking and doing NFP and charting. And I knew the second, you know, that I was late and this one, I accidentally got pregnant. Like I'd never, ever, ever thought that (laughs) that would happen to me. (laughs) It's just like he said, like, how do you accidentally get pregnant? Like you literally do this for a living. How do you, (laughs) it's okay though. Yeah. So this baby was meant to be apparently. (laughs) Yes, for sure. So tell me about taking, take me through your pregnancy. Tell me about your pregnancy, how it was like, and what you were feeling. Yeah. So this one, um, a couple days after I found out my husband was leaving for a month of training. And of course this was like in the middle of COVID and, you know, he was having the quarantine and all this stuff. So he was going to be gone for a month. And so this is, you know, me shuffling the other kids around town and working full time and whatever. So with my other ones, I didn't really have that bad of morning sickness. Um, I was able to get through it. This one, oh my gosh, like from the get-go puking multiple times a day. Like, so not only has my husband gone for a month, the first like month I'm pregnant, puking my brains out, having to take care of two other kids. 
office. Oh my So gosh. they ate like noodles for a month straight. Cause that's all I could stand to look at in the kitchen. Yeah. Even the meds just like, we're not doing it. Um, so yeah, that was a fun, um, let's see, I think I threw up through about halfway through. So yeah, a fun 20 weeks of my life, <laughs> but we made it. <laughs> yes, you did. Well, you hit it yes. well. Cause I thought you always like looked great and felt great. You oh, were like the thanks. cutest little pregnant person. Thanks. So we didn't know. <laughs> Yeah, definitely very. And there was even one point, you know, mid throw up. I'm like, I can never do this again. Like, and I've never felt that way. Like I'd be fine with a million kids, but I was like, this is terrible, but we got through it. It's okay. Yes. So now take me through what this birth, how this birth is going to look different. Like what were your birth preferences, birth plans for this birth? Oh my gosh. So again, you know, still having to wrestle with like, where am I going to have this baby? And, um, I always thought that I'd have my third baby at Baby & Co, you know, the birth center in town, but unfortunately that closed a few years ago. And yeah, so it was hard. And I am so incredibly thankful that I work with a group of midwives who are awesome and we get each other. And with, you know, the hospital, you know, Matthews, like it's just a wonderful place. And so I knew this baby having a hospital birth, it would be, it would be okay. Like I knew that there was never a time when I was going to have to, you know, fight for what I wanted or what was best for me. Um, and I know some of that is a little bit of privilege, you know, I'm a midwife and I work there and I work with midwives, but at the same time, I knew that, you know, it, it was just a good place to be at. So if I had to have a baby in a hospital, that's the kind of place I would want to do it with the people I would want to do it with. Um, so I'm very thankful for that, but yeah, so knowing, we kind of talked about it a lot those first few months, you know, where am I going to have this baby? And there is a birth center um, in Statesville, but the drive from my house would be like over an hour. And with how fast my second labor was and <laughs> now having the added element of childcare too, you know, we don't have family here. And so, and with COVID trying to find like, you know, childcare and right. who's been vaccinated, who hasn't. And right. it's like, it was just a whole nother element of stress. Whereas normally, you know, you could drop your kids off at your friend's house for two days, but with the whole COVID thing and people in school, it was just a whole nother source of anxiety. So we kind of knew we'd have to change plans. So decided on a hospital birth, um, of course, you know, seeing my midwives for care, <laughs> um, which was fine. Yeah. And I knew that I still wanted to have an unmedicated birth. You know, I was open to an epidural if I needed it for some reason, because sometimes there is a time and a place to need an epidural. You've seen it, you know, oh, yeah. Where yeah, for sure. Falls out and just, yeah. So, and it was interesting too, with the first, I feel like, and I see this in other people too. So I know it's not just me, you know, we've got the birth plan and we want things to go this way and this is how we envision it. And with the second birth, we don't see that as much. And I think part of that is um, I like to say that labor is a good introduction to parenthood. Um, it's really about letting go of control. And it's a very humbling experience because up until we labor and give birth, well, really until we're pregnant, we've always been in control of ourselves and our lives. Right. And then we get pregnant and we labor and we birth and we still make these plans that we want to be in control of. And suddenly we, we don't have control. This baby is, you know, guiding everything. And it's a very humbling experience sometimes, labor and birth. Um, and it's a good introduction to parenthood because we literally have no control over anything anymore once we have children. <laughs> so um, going into this third one, especially, I was like, this is what I want, but whatever, I just want this healthy baby in my arms. So it was a very different mental perception than the first and even the second. So having a baby in a hospital, I knew I didn't want an epidural unless I needed it. I 
had planned on working up until I went into labor. So I figured, oh, probably, you know, 40 weeks or so. And then as it got closer, um, started getting nervous about the childcare thing and work. My mom was flying in from out of state. She was going to take care of the kids. Um, and my husband had final exams for school right when I was due. And so he was stressed out about that. And then with getting my call shifts covered, if I went into labor and, you know, I've got full office days full of patients and having to shuffle them. And it was becoming such a source of stress for me, you know, especially the childcare aspect. And so I toyed with the idea of an elective induction, <laughs> which I say this and I'm like, really? But, um, <laughs> and the way professionally, you know, I, I think inductions, you know, should be reserved for medical reasons, but there are times when I will do elective inductions. If I, you know, know that that person has a low risk of complications from an induction and it's something that they really would prefer then that's great. You know, and we do a lot of the talks of risks and benefits and alternatives, um, you know, and so there is a time and a place for, for elective inductions really. And it's great for women that have had babies before and not so much when it's your first baby that really can increase risk of a C-section. Um, but I fit the check boxes of who would be a good candidate for an induction. And I knew that, and I have, you know, that experience having seen this hundreds of times um, to know that an induction for me would not be a big deal. (laughs) And so I started really strongly considering it. And I was like, you know what, if I'm having a baby in a hospital, let's just go full guns and schedule an induction. And I remember telling that to Kristen, one of the other midwives, and she just laughed and (laughs) Dr. Meek, you know, Dr. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he overheard me talking about getting induced and he just laughed to himself. (laughs) because it's so very anti me like it is it's it's very shocking and I surprised myself but at the same time you know women you know every day choose what they need to do with their bodies and that was the right choice for me at that time Um, yes I remember family too (laughs) I remember you you came into the hall room and you said like yeah I'm actually you know on the books for an elective induction and I was like what and you're like I don't I don't you said like I don't lose my crunchy status do I and I was like well you know I said if you get an epidural we're gonna have to revoke that card from you though but if you don't get an epidural I guess we'll let it slide and we'll we'll keep on letting you be that 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 midwife but <laughs> I'm gonna categorize this under like women's autonomy right like yes okay <laughs> me and my body right no but I I still like can't believe I was induced but whatever it's fine it was the right choice for me and I yes, think it was um but it was definitely a very different experience um but yeah so I knew with this labor I still wanted it you know as hands-off as we could I just needed to get that nudge to get into labor and third baby labors are usually pretty uncomplicated and quick and I knew that I just needed you know my water broken and some contractions and I'd have a baby and it was fine I'm hoping to still get in the tub and labor I still really wanted that golden hour protected because that's something that I loved with having my babies at home. Um, It was very undisturbed that first hour. Um, You know, of course, assessing baby, making sure baby's okay. But other than that, not a lot of poking and prodding. It's just Mm -hmm. time to, you know, baby gaze and, you know, count fingers and toes and breastfeed. And I really wanted that protected. Um, I also planned on keeping my placenta. Um, I got that encapsulated. Yeah, I, and it was just little things like that, that I knew that wasn't a big deal. You know, um, Kristen, who was my midwife, um, 
stuff that she would have done anyway. So, and I wanted Mike to help catch because the other ones I had been in the water in the tub. And so he hadn't really ever seen our babies be born because he was always given counter pressure with the other two. And so this and I was like, you need to get up front in the action and you need to actually see what goes on this time and help catch. So that was um, something that I wanted to happen as well. That's awesome. So this was your first birth, like out of the water. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very different. Yeah. So tell us how your induction went. So, um, showed up late because, you know, getting two kids out the door to school and it's, (laughs) um, and it was so sweet. My, um, midwife group and some people from the unit had decorated my room. And so, you know, I walked in and I'm crying already, which was great, but it was adorable and sweet and lovely. Um, and so what I wanted to do was just a few doses of Cytotec. Um, so my cervix was already like three or four centimeters, but he was pretty high. He was hanging, Callum, my little baby. Um, so he was hanging out posterior at the end, which is what my other babies did as well. And they didn't quite turn until labor. So he was doing the same, but he was like not quite engaged yet. And so what I'd wanted to do was a couple doses of Cytotec and break my water, um, but he was still a little bit too high to do that safely. So went ahead and did the first dose of Cytotec and this was probably like nine in the morning. And that takes about four hours. And I had never had continuous monitoring straps on either because, you know, my other pregnancies and labor has always been with intermittent auscultation with the Doppler. And so that was a new experience being tethered, which was annoying. And of course, the Monica, the wireless system, it wasn't working well for me. So we tried it and gave up. (laughs) Don't even get me started on those things. Yes. So it was like really boring. I was having contractions, but they weren't really painful. And I was antsy and luckily it was um, a really nice day. So we had the balcony door open and Mike and I were just hanging out. So it was a really nice time just to spend time together. But also we were, you know, wanting to get things going. So I wasn't laboring all night. And so after that first dose of Cytotec, Kristen checked me and I think I was like maybe four to five or something, but he was still a little bit too high to break my water. At that point, I was like, you know what, let's just start some Pitocin. We got to get him down because I knew another dose of Cytotec, yeah, it'd probably give me more contractions, but it was going to be a while before they were strong enough to get him down in my pelvis. Mm-hmm. And I was antsy and bored. So <laughs> I said, and knowing too, like, okay, if I'm agreeing, like making the decision to start Pitocin, then that means like I need to be continuously monitored. I won't be able to get in the tub. And so what we were hoping was do Pitocin for a few hours, get him low enough to break my water and then maybe stop the Pitocin Mm -hmm. so I could get in the tub. That was kind of our plan. And at that point I was just kind of flexible. You know, I was there to have a baby. I wanted to get this baby in my arms and I was excited and contractions didn't really pick up for a little while. Um, But when they did, not that bad. It's different laboring with your water intact contractions, at least for me. So my contractions for all my labors and my water's intact, it's a lot more pressure. Um, whereas I found out after my water's broken, it's a lot more of a sharp, intense pain. And with Pitocin, um, contractions don't have as much of an ebb and flow. I feel like my labors without Pitocin, there tend to be more time between contractions and it was a much more gentle sort of rise and fall of the contractions where with Pitocin a little more intense, at least that was my perception of it. So we had the Pitocin going with my water intact. I think it was just being antsy and bored. I asked if she would check me again. And she's like, well, you're five centimeters, you know, a little bit posterior, but he's definitely come down. And I was like, well, let's just break my water. And then in a little bit, we'll turn off the pit. I'll get in the tub and things can go from there. And she was like, okay. You know, of course, Kristen and Dr. Morris laughing because I'm just running my own induction and being as aggressively medically managing as I could. 
So again, very different experience. Um, but at that point, you know, I was just like, I was there to have a baby. I wanted him in my arms. And I was like, we're just going to do this. And I knew that it wasn't going to take much. And that just comes from my professional experience. I knew that I just needed to get it done and it would be over quickly. So she broke my water, which was super painful, by the way, all these things that I was choosing to have done to myself. And now I have so much sympathy for the women <laughs> I've done this to. Amazing how that happens. Oh my God. Literally she broke my water and I looked at her and I said, I am never doing that to anyone ever again. Like on Pitocin <laughs> breaking water without an epidural. That's terrible. Why would anybody do that to anyone? So instantly she broke my water and those contractions were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Very painful. Very painful. Um, but still, you know, I knew that they were productive. I could feel that intensity change and I knew that we were getting somewhere and that's what I wanted. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to take long because again, third baby, everything's going well. So I sat on the ball and things are kind of a blur after that point, but I think I only labored like that for maybe two hours. He was born two hours later. So maybe like an hour and a half, if that, but I was like, so in the zone and it was intense. I've never felt contractions that intense before. Painful wow. if you want to use like the correct word, but yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if like, I'm sure a lot of it was, you know, the Pitocin and your water being broken, but also like being in the hospital, I feel like that also, like you said, like at home, like you're relaxed, you're not in that like adrenaline fight or flight. So I'm sure all three of those things working together just made you perceive them totally differently. Yeah. And I was lucky that my friend was there and Mike was there and we had the door open and it was a beautiful day. Right. And it was like just a lovely environment to labor in, um, you know, and it was so loving and comfortable, but you know, I've got the monitors on and this IV yeah. that's poking me and, um, and it, it was probably intense too, because it was so fast, you know, going right. from five and posterior to pushing out a kid. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's a quick thing to do in two hours. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever make it in the tub? No, <laughs> okay. no. So things got really intense. And I remember trying to say like, I need Kristen, but I was at that point where I couldn't really talk. And luckily she just happened to walk in. Cause I guess like and my other labors, I didn't really make any noise, but this one, I was like dying, not screaming, but definitely moaning my way through. And they heard me out at the desk. And <laughs> so they came in the room, thankfully at the right time. And so I knew that he was coming um, and we needed to get everything ready. So yeah, Kristen came in and yeah, started feeling a lot of pressure and I knew that it was about time to push. And it's nice too, having done it before I could recognize those signs in my body that things were, you know, progressing and that things were getting close. And so I somehow crawled up on the bed. I don't even know how that happened. Um, and yeah, that like fetal ejection reflex involuntary pushing took over and I mean, he was out in like two pushes. I think. That's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I have some awesome pictures of, you know, Mike catching with Kristen's hands. And apparently I was reaching down and grabbing him too. I don't even <laughs> remember, <laughs> but it was very painful. It was, um, it was very different, you know, land birth, water broken with Pitocin. Um, it was such a short duration that it was fine. Right. But at the time I remember thinking like, wow, my pelvis is going to split in half. Like, and I don't remember that from my other ones. So it was very different. Also, like you said, maybe you're looking back, like, you know, cause it's been yes. so long with some, with somewhat of a bias, yes. but. And this was only four weeks ago. It's still very fresh in my mind. Exactly. So yes. Ask me next year. I'll be like, oh, was it so bad? Yeah. You'd be like, oh, yeah. it was the quickest induction. I pushed twice. He was here. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So how has postpartum been? 
it's been different. Um, you know, I, my second, oh gosh, sorry, brain fog, here's <laughs> postpartum, um, my middle child, she's almost four. So my kids are kind of old enough. They can run around and tend to themselves. So I can just sit and sort of savor this little baby, uh, breastfeeding, no issues, thankfully. Yeah. It's just, it's fun. You know, it's, it's hard, but it's, it's sweet. You know, yeah. it's bittersweet. He's growing quickly, but it's, he's just soft and warm and smells good. And <laughs> it's just lovely. Not Isn't so much it? at 3am, but, um, the rest of the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's getting the hang of sleep, which helps me cope a little better. Um, but yeah, the kids love him and he is just a perfect little addition to our family. Um, and it's been just nice being able to hang out with him and get to know him. And he's his own little person. Uh, that's amazing. It does sound like, oh, you said like, he's so cute and snuggly and warm and smells good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. (laughs) It's lovely. Yes. So do you have your top two tips or bits of advice for new moms or soon to be moms? Yes. Choose your birth team wisely. So that means your doctor or midwife or whoever's taking care of you. You know, I hear all the time from people who are like, oh, my doctor or midwife X, Y, Z, you know, they won't let me do this or that. And I'm like, you can choose, you know, you need to, you should never, ever be fighting for things on the day you're giving birth or in pregnancy. Mm -hmm. There's always somebody that's going to work with your philosophy and who's going to be a good fit because you know, you're entrusting yourself and your baby to that person. You need to click. You need to feel like you never have to fight for yourself um, and for your desires and your hopes. And so if you ever feel that way, switch, you know, and there's always someone who's going to be a good fit for you and for your family and choosing the place of birth. You know, if you're at a hospital that you know, if you're wanting a low intervention birth and that hospital doesn't even have birth balls, for example, then that may be a red flag. You know, that may not be the right birth environment for you. You shouldn't be fighting for things when you're in labor. Um, so choosing, you know, a doula, that's a good fit. If you want a doula, um, you know, you really need to have those people on your birth team and have providers that support you and what you're wanting to do. Um, so that's tip number one, for sure. And tip number two, um, I'm really glad this time around that I prepared well for postpartum. I had, and I kind of knew just from past experiences, but, you know, having all your stuff ready, all the stuff you're going to need for breastfeeding, all the stuff you're going to need for bleeding, all the stuff you're going to need for, you know, breastfeeding in the middle of the night, like breastfeeding clothes. It's stuff you don't really think about until you're in the middle of it. And you're like, oh my gosh, I need to Amazon this right now, but having everything set up and ready. So you can just rest, um, you know, that first week resting, sleeping around the clock, just like your baby does having things right within reach those snacks and water and nipple balm and diapers and pads and everything, having that all set up in your little nest ready. It's such a nice relief when you come home and you don't have to think about it. Yes. I love those both. I, I always tell people to like, you know, if you're with a provider and you guys maybe aren't meshing, I think that there's like a lot of guilt people feel like, well, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't switch providers and you totally can. Like you can switch, you can change, whether it's a whole new practice or just a different one, you're not going to offend anybody. Trust Mm -hmm. me, like every nurse, every midwife and OBC, so many patients that they (laughs) will not be offended by it. Things happen. People just don't mesh. It's personalities. It's, it's preferences of what you want. And Mm -hmm. I love that you said like, you shouldn't feel like you're having to fight for what you want because Mm -hmm. that's extremely true. Like you still have autonomy and decisions that you can make, even though like, even if you have a doctor who might not agree. 
And especially, I say that a lot with women wanting a VBAC, you know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't have a provider who allows VBACs. You should have a provider who encourages VBACs, right. you know, and you, if you want an unmedicated low intervention birth, you know, and your doctor seems or midwife seems uncomfortable with that, then that's a red flag, you know, and you need to switch to someone who's like, oh my gosh, of course you can do this. Who's your doula and who's going to support you in that. Right. And you can always switch. We're never offended. We want you to have a good birth too. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love those both. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for sharing all of your birth stories. All of them. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to another episode of What The Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.